Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Tate Frazier from TheRinger.com. Tate, I really appreciate you jumping on here, man. Yeah, Jonathan, how's it going, man? It's good. Uh, it's uh, finally Duke Carolina week, so I'm pretty excited. It is basketball season, college basketball to be specific, because, you know, it's just better than the NBA. People can say what they want, but college basketball is where, you know, kids actually still give effort, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I like that. That was a nice shot at the NBA. I'm more excited that the uh, the football is done. Super Bowl Sunday just happened. The Eagles get the win. I cover football, too, so I'm excited to talk all about college basketball and get done with all that stuff. And the NBA will come. I mean, there's a lot of problems in Cleveland. The Warriors are now fatigued. They've got a whole all-star break. College doesn't have breaks. I mean, I guess they have spring break, but for the most part, we're all locked in in college basketball, so it's a good time. No, yeah, and this is the best time of year for college basketball, too. I mean, February and March is where things really start getting interesting. The conferences, uh, Kansas will probably end up winning the Big 12 again, but but I don't really want to talk about them too much. What I want to talk with you about is the ACC because year in, year out, the ACC always says it's the best basketball conference. But, man, this year it is, I think, by far and away the number one conference in the country right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I think a lot of people have pointed to the Big 12 as to be up there. But then they, they have the SEC Big 12 Challenge and the SEC wins. I don't know how much stock you can take in that, but. You know, the SEC obviously will take a lot of stock in it and say that they're the best conference in college basketball, as they're prone to do, even though Kentucky's struggling this year. It, it's actually a weird a weird year all across the board for a lot of these blue blood schools. You know, Kentucky's struggling. Carolina's obviously had their struggles. Duke loses to St. John's. Kansas has sort of been on and off. I mean, they're losing at home this year, which is really unlike them. But I think the main thing that I'm, that I'm watching in the ACC and the main storyline that, that's sort of underrated is just Virginia right now being yeah. undefeated in the ACC. I didn't, I never thought I would see a team go undefeated in the ACC. In fact, when, you know, every single year Duke is preseason number one and they get coronated and we, we say that they could go undefeated similar to what Kentucky almost did when they went 38 and one. But I, I never buy stock into that because I, I don't think it's possible to go undefeated in the ACC because the conference is just too good. It's too deep. There's too many teams. I mean, you just look at the team like Boston College this year. I mean, Jerome Robinson is breaking records, making all these shots. I mean, they beat Duke already, but, you know, you throw them away. They're not even a, a talking point with the ACC. There are so many good teams. I mean, you forget about a team like Louisville. I mean, I know they're struggling as of late, but Dave Padgett had done this great job, and Louisville is this premier program. Even without Patino, they have these athletes on their team that are unbelievable. When you look at Dangadell and Clemson, I think is the real big shocker. I was actually joking the other day. They have this new YouTube TV commercial with Draymond Green, and they have a Clemson highlight as the streaming platform when they when they have the like you can watch sports games and it's like Clemson basketball and they're actually playing Carolina. And I was like, wow, Clemson has really made it in the college basketball ranks now. They're they're in commercials now for streaming stuff. But yeah, across the board, I mean, I think the ACC is just so deep. You almost forget how many good players and teams are in the conference. And I mean, I know the Big 12 is probably the argument that most uh, national writers will make always to be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, for for the ACC right now, I mean, you have the Virginia, which I believe is one of the best teams in the country, and they're undefeated in the conference. So that's a major storyline you got to keep up with. And, and in terms of just the conference strength as a whole, I mean, you're looking at a team like Notre Dame, who... They've not had the best of seasons, but they're still a very dangerous team. And out of their 10 losses, seven of those are in conference. So mm-hmm. at 14 and 10, you're talking about a good team that just ran into the ACC. And 
I mean, I was looking over the, the standings. The overall conference win-loss is just really good this year. I mean, you're talking about the top nine teams. So that's Virginia, Clemson, Duke, Miami, NC State, Florida State, North Carolina, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse. All of those teams have less than 10 losses overall. So mm-hmm. when you're looking ahead to like the NCAA tournament, I mean, could this be a year you think where the ACC gets like nine, 10 teams in potentially? I mean, I think there's always a chance. I mean, we already saw, you know, them have historic numbers as far as teams getting in the tournament. It's a weird position now because I feel like the Big Ten has, you know, teams really at the top that are really, you know, supremely good. I think Michigan State is the team right now that has a chance to contend for a title. We obviously saw that up close and personal when we played them earlier in the season. And then they have Purdue, which is a team a lot of people like. I mean, I think they have a chance to make a Final Four run. And then they have Ohio State with Keita Bates-Diop, who, you know, has kind of come out of nowhere to be one of the best small forwards in the nation. And, you know, but they're top-heavy. That's what they have. So they could only get, you know, five teams out of the Big Ten, which that, that you know, leads to a conference like the ACC maybe getting two extra teams that the Big Ten can't field enough guys out of there. And I don't know. I mean, I think there's a chance there could be 10, 11 teams. I think Virginia Tech is a team that's really intriguing, a team that's a tough matchup in the tournament. We obviously know what Syracuse can do. NC State has had a great season. They get the two, you know, signature wins over North Carolina and Duke. Have you seen these Coach K shirts, the new Coach K shirts? Is this true that this is happening? Well, I have not heard anything about this. Hold on, I'm going to do some quick Googling, but go it, ahead and be talking. It, it may be a joke, but someone told me that uh, that NC State fans are now wearing a uh, shirt that say the new Coach K with Ke- Coach Keith. Oh, and man. if they are, that's, are serious? that's too sweet. That's yep. too perfect. It's... So Google <laughs> Image does confirm that there is on – it's an it's an NC State fan website that's not mm-hmm. Pack Pride. I don't know how legit it is. But I'm looking at a shirt that does say the new Coach K, and it's an <laughs> NC State red. That's perfect. So they're really excited about where their program is right now, obviously, by that T-shirt. So they have a chance to make a good run in the tournament. Miami, obviously, is, is a really good team, really deep team. Lonnie Walker is one of my favorite freshmen in the country, and especially in the ACC. Yeah, it's just it's crazy how deep the ACC is. It's honestly unfair. With, with the conference realignment, there's just too many good teams in this conference right now, especially on the basketball side. And, yeah, I could see 10 teams for sure getting in the tournament. And, I, and honestly, as, as a Carolina fan, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. I hope that we can pick this thing up. Luckily, we got to play Pitt, get our confidence back a little bit. But, I mean, there are no jokes in the uh, in the ACC this year. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and before we talk about the Duke game coming up, let's uh, expand the scope a little bit. When you're looking at the national landscape for college basketball this year, Tate, what's been a couple of the real surprise teams that are doing way better than what people may have anticipated? I mean, there are some just real big shockers out there. I mean, one of them that really caught the the zeitgeist a little bit recently is Texas Tech. I'm in the Big 12. They're fighting Kansas at the top there. They've just had some really nice wins over the past couple of weeks. I think the West Virginia game was probably their biggest game that people saw in the national landscape, and they went at Kansas to start the new year. So they're a team that a lot of people need to keep their eye on. And, and you know, Jonathan, besides Texas Tech, which I think is up to number seven in the nation now, the other team that really is, is stood out to me is Auburn, who's actually right behind them at number eight in the nation. These are real shocking – I guess they're not really shocking teams. You know, these are usual suspects. We, we know Auburn has a history in basketball. And obviously, Texas Tech, Lubbock, you know, we've seen them on the spotlight before. But what Chris Beard is doing and what Bruce Pearl is doing is that, you know, they're getting a chance for these teams. I mean, they've been playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. 
and they they've been completely under the radar. Auburn was in the radar, you know, on the radar a little bit because of the FBI stuff with their assistant coach and you know missing two guys. And actually, Bruce Pearl said this week he was going to take some real responsibility for that. Um, we'll see if <laughs> whatever that happens. That yeah, whatever that means. He's going to do something, I guess. Just Or at least he's just going to say he's going to take responsibility. But those two teams are the, the teams to watch. And then also a, a real fun one for people around this area in ACC country is Nevada. Some people say Nevada. Some people say Nevada. The Martin twins that we remember from NC State, Mark Godfrey's good friends, they've transferred out there, and, and they're having a pretty good season, both of them, uh, Caleb and Cody. They're ranked number 23 in the nation right now. And uh, they're, they're a sneaky team to watch that could be – you know, five, six seed, maybe, maybe have a nice little run in the tournament, get to the Sweet 16 or something. So those are pretty much the sleepers I have. It, it, it's been crazy. Teams have been moving around a lot, and we've seen some top teams uh, take some shocking losses this year, which has been crazy. Yeah, it's definitely been an up-and-down season. I think that there's a lot of parity this year, and the NCAA tournament is going to be must-watch television because there's no telling who's going to win that one. Oh, yeah. But hey, it is Duke week, so let's talk about the topic that's on every Tar Heel fan's mind. They got the Blue Devils coming into the Dean Dome on Thursday, 8 p.m. ESPN. So when you're looking at this game, Tate, when we talked about it off the air, UNC is actually favored by a point and a half, which was surprising to me. But when you're looking at this matchup, you know what's your first impression of how this game may end up going? I can't believe Carolina's favorite at home. Well, I, I'm impressed that they are one and a half points. Kim Palm, you know, the, everyone praises Kim Palm in the analytics these days, but he has Duke favored by one coming into the Dean Dome. But all that aside, I have to wonder about what Duke's going to do. Are they going to play man? Or are they going to play the zone that they've been playing? They've really struggled on defense. You watched that St. John's game this past Saturday. Marvin Bagley got switched off on Shamari Pond so many times, and uh, he just looked a little slow on defense, a little sluggish on defense. We have to understand that, you know, that Duke team that you saw on Saturday is not the team that's going to show up in Chapel Hill by any means. Wendell Carter and uh, Marvin Bagley on the, uh, in the post, I mean, th- this team plays like what I have come accustomed to seeing in North Carolina. They play a very up-and-down game. They feed the block. They get points in the paint. Grayson Allen, one of their losses for Duke, I mean, he has really struggled. He's shooting like 32% in those games and like 16% from three in those games. Well, he doesn't do that against North Carolina. He plays up in this game. That's what he's been doing his whole career. You have to expect that if you're Carolina. And you got to stop letting teams hit these threes. I mean, how many games have we seen now in a row where they've hit at least 10 threes? I mean, Pitt, my God, hit 10 threes against North Carolina past Saturday. So they're going to have to defend the perimeter, obviously, and have to deal with these two guys in the post. The thing that gives me hope about North Carolina in this game, and, and this is a serious one, and I'm going to give a little bit of a joke one. The serious one is Luke May at the, at the high post, that elbow jumper. They're willing to give that up. We saw in the Virginia game, they let Isaiah Wilkins take that shot every single time he wants it. Uh, Luke May can hit that shot. We've come accustomed to him making that shot. Hopefully, he, Joel Berry can get freed up with some screens at the top, You know, maybe setting some high screens for Sterling Manley up there. Hopefully get mainly some minutes. We're, we're going to need him and Garrison to show up in this game. And then, I mean, the sleeper of the whole thing is Seventh Woods coming back. I mean, I have been a big proponent of Seventh Woods, you know, dating back to when he committed to Carolina. I, I just believe in his athleticism. I believe in his ability to run the primary break for Carolina. I'm a little nervous it's his first game back against Duke, but I'm hoping that means that he'll uh, really rise to the occasion and really step up in this one. But it's obviously Duke Carolina. It's obviously going to be a wild game, but I'm a little nervous about this one. They have the guys at the post that we just don't have. It, it just makes me sad. I wish we had Tony Bradley down there this year, but uh, 
We'll see. I hope we can show up. What's the main thing you're watching for, Mina? You're excited for seventh, or am I crazy for saying that? No, I think that seventh coming back is huge because Carolina is going to need Theo Pinson to really focus on the defensive side and to kind of be the best that Theo Pinson can be. We need the Theo that scored 20 points off of, like, I think he was, I mean, he shot the ball like over 60% that game. So, you know, Carolina is going to need that Theo. And I think if you've got seventh coming back to run the point that allows Theo to play that shooting guard small forward position where he's much more natural at, and it gives the heels multiple guys who can actually make plays and handle the ball. I think if you only have one guy on the court who is going to be the primary distributor, that's going to help Coach K you know, and that Duke defense because that only gives them one guy to shut down. But if you've got yeah. seventh on the outside and then you've got Theo slashing, then that's really going to help open up those lanes and expose a Duke defense that, like you said, Tate, they have just, I mean, flat out not been good on defense this year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird to the Duke defense play like that because I think I've, I've grown up so accustomed to Duke trying so hard defensively and slapping the floor and doing all these little things, the hustle plays, all the things you expect. And this team doesn't do any of those things. And I'm sure that frustrates Kay a lot. I expect them to do that in this game. I'm sure Alex O'Connor will play in this game and have some, some important minutes. I could see Jack White coming in if, if we go on a nice run. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the main thing that I expect to see from Duke is they're going to try to, to kill, you know, Carolina inside and feed Bagley as much as possible. I don't know if Cam Johnson is going to end up guarding Bagley at some point or if it's going to be Luke May on Carter or what it, what it's going to be. But I think Manley and Brooks are both going to have to play some, some pivotal minutes in this game. And, you know, it's up to the freshmen to step up at this point. Well, and it was a great sign. I thought that Brooks and Manley combined for 20 points against Pitt. I mean, you can always put the caveat that, you know, it was Pitt. They're not a good team. But, hey, when the ball goes in the basket, it really does help create you know just a positive feeling in the players and just throughout the entire team yeah and it, it lets Roy know that he can trust those guys you know at the end of the day they can make the plays when a uh, push comes to shove I mean it is pit but I don't know we both know that anything can happen in this rivalry game it, you can basically throw aside all the rankings and and what a team should play like it is Carolina versus Duke anything could happen and uh, I don't know, I, I, I would love to see Seventh Woods have a, a magical game and, and have like 10 and 10 or something like that. But that might be me having uh, some wishful thinking. Well, it's definitely possible. I mean, if he can get inside and make shots, you know, I think that's going to be the main thing is, is this Carolina team. They live and die by the three this year, which everyone's been saying it. it's a role reversal between Carolina and Duke. But if the shots are falling, Carolina definitely has a chance in this one. But we'll go ahead and start wrapping this one up, Tate. The last question I had for you, man, was what is the one memory that you have of a Carolina Duke game, either when you were a student at Chapel Hill covering the game, you know, maybe you're watching it when you were young, but what's that one thing that you think of every time Carolina and Duke square off? I have so many that are flooding in my mind right now. The Danny Green dunking on Greg Paulus came right in my head, which was the one that I had when I was in high school. That was amazing. I'm trying to think as far as what my favorite would be. I guess the one that sticks in my mind was when I decided to go to Carolina. I was there when uh, Kendall Marshall, when, when they won in the Dino, when they won the ACC regular season. And that was in the spring of 2011. And that was just a great game. And it felt like Carolina basketball was back after the, the you know the dismal NIT season. It was like we had our boys back. We had Harrison Barnes. We had John Henson. We had Kendall Marshall. It just seemed like everything was perfectly setting up for, for a national championship run. That's probably one of my favorite games, and I was there in Chapel Hill at that game. My parents, that's probably my favorite one that sticks out. But 
there's just so many, and every single year you just remember these different things. I actually watched a, a highlight montage, and it was Leslie McDonald in it. And if you could throw Leslie McDonald in a highlight <laughs> montage, then uh, you can do just about anything as far as memories in a Carolina Duke game. Yeah, that's a name that a lot of Tar Heel fans, I mean, if you're going back and digging out Leslie McDonald, yeah, you know that, that you're a true blue heel at that point. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, hey, Tay, again, really thank you for coming on here. And for those that do want to, you know, catch what you do on TheRinger.com, where can people find your stuff at? Yeah, so I, I do Ringer Podcast. You can go and find all that stuff on Apple Podcasts. Podcast I host with Mark Titus, formerly known as Club Trillion, the Trillionaire himself, One Shining Podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts. And then I also host another show, GM Street. That's also on Apple Podcasts. If you search The Ringer NFL Show, you can find that. And then the Bill Simmons podcast, I produced that, and that is also on Apple Podcasts. So find all the stuff there, and uh, I appreciate anyone that tunes in. And I, I enjoy doing anything inside Carolina related as always, and I hope everyone's doing well there at IC. Thanks, Tate. We appreciate it, man. It's good to see you just knocking out great content there on The Ringer, and we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. So for everyone, thanks again. We'll talk with you guys after the Duke game. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.